Welcome to Rick Radio Community News Desk number 15. I'm Jennifer Gannon. This week we're going to have a little bit of a different kind of podcast where we are going to revisit two of our previous interviews here from the news desk. Later I'll talk with Tony MacDonald who runs Deke's Diner beside the East Link Bridge, the very famous diner. But first I spoke with Fidel Mahini, CEO of the Clan William Institute who run a psychotherapy service here in the community centre. You guys are based in Stlorgan, but you have facilities here in Ringsend and Irishtown Community Centre right. for low-fee, community-based services yes. for counselling. So can That's you tell right. us a little bit about that? OK, well, maybe just to explain yeah. the connection with here, because Clan William Institute has existed for nearly 40 years. In fact, our 40-year anniversary is this year. Wow. And we were in Grand Canal um, for most of that period of time until we ha- we had to move in 2019. You know the story, landlord rents yeah. got too expensive, etc. And so we went in, we had a bit of a panic to find somewhere and we ended up in Stolorgan. But we wanted to maintain the links of the community here. And we started conversations with Lorraine. Um, and um, there just seemed to be a lovely synergy that we could um, continue providing services to local people and come into the community centre here. Great. So one night a week on Wednesday evenings, we have a supervisor with a team and we provide what we call low fee, no fee. It's whatever people can afford, um, um, whether it's zero or whether it's a tenner, it doesn't matter. Um, and we provide that facility. So we, we provide family therapy, individual therapy, relationship therapy. It depends. And whatever it- people are looking for. You're here from 4.30, is it, to... That to about 9 o'clock, 9.30, that kind of time. And then you have your own information. If anybody does want to get in touch... Yeah. yeah, there's numbers. We have details down in reception. Yeah, um, there's kind of a poster on the wall. We usually have leaflets there as well. You phone directly. Um, there can be a waiting list sometimes, mm. um, but we do try to get people in as quick as we possibly can. Yeah, because that's the thing I think about a lot of me- uh, therapy wise and counselling wise, uh, it can be off putting because people feel that it's not accessible. That you're going to be waiting for a very long time, mm-hmm. or else you're going to be paying through the nose for. They, yeah. they think it's not for them, but this is a great resource because as you said you try and fit as many people in as you can but also fee wise as well not to be put off by that that's right because it's whatever people can afford and and that's what we 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 don't we don't ask we don't look for evidence or anything like that we Mm. just say what what, if you want to make a donation we call it a donation even Um, now some people when I talk about kind of waiting lists we also see people in Stolorgan as well and and also we see people online Yes, I was going to ask yeah. that because during lockdown we had a lot of, you know, Zoom know. and Skype and as off-putting as that is, but sometimes it can be really convenient yeah. for people. And I mean, maybe if they don't want, the st- sometimes people work it up in their heads, they don't want the stress of actually sitting in front of a person, it could exactly. be easier for them. So it's a mix, it's whatever people are comfortable with. I have to admit that before COVID, if you asked me back in, where's COVID now, January 2020, <laughs> 2020 yeah. you know, about online therapy, we'd have gone, oh no, not really, don't yeah. think it will work. And suddenly three months later, everything's online. Yeah. Um, And so I think online therapy works really well for some people, Mm. you know, but if you don't have the privacy, Mm. if you don't have the technology, because you have to have proper Wi-Fi to be able to, you have to be able to talk openly and know that there's no listening ears around you, whatever. It can work really well. And particularly maybe somebody's ill and can't leave the house or disabled in some way and can't leave the house. Maybe they don't feel comfortable leaving the house. Maybe yeah. they don't, they're nervous about actually meeting somebody and going in person. So for, there's a multiple of reasons why online therapy can work very well. Um, 
But you can't, I, I mean, maybe I'm biased, I admit, <laughs> but you can't be face to face at like the same time. Like a person to person yeah. kind of, And yeah. some people just doesn't suit. I mean, you get some, you know, when we, during those lockdowns and then we're off lockdown mm. and in lockdown, you know, we had to trans, we had to go online at, at different months at different times. And for some people, it just doesn't suit. Yeah. You know, um, you know, if you've if a family and you have people around you and you want to talk about what's going on and you can't, you just don't want exactly. the privacy of it. Yeah. You know, when I look back to the first lockdown, some of the most effective therapy I did was somebody sitting in a car mm. in a quiet street because they had they they simply needed therapy. Yeah. They, they couldn't go and see somebody and they just found it a way that it worked for them. Which so, is, you know, so it can work in it all can work kind yeah. of different but mediums. it's down to what people feel comfortable with and that's the most important thing because yeah. when you're going for therapy you need to feel comfortable. Exactly. Well that's the most important thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So what are you seeing now that we're supposedly in this place of normality yeah. where the urge for everybody to get back to whatever yeah. normal is. What are you seeing now with people? How are they There's dealing with that? There's a lot of stress and anxiety out there still mm. and understandably so. So we certainly have seen a huge increase in the levels of um, the numbers of people with anxiety and the degree of anxiety that people are experiencing. Yeah. And so it's interesting that we talked about this online piece because I have a lot of clients and really all I want to do is get them out of the bedroom yeah. and get them out of the house. And get them um, back involved. Exactly. Yeah. So, but online therapy suits them because they can yeah. sit in the bed and they can chat. So there is that balance. So anxiety, 100%. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I often talk about anxiety. I, I work as a therapist as well as CEO in Clown right. Williams. So um, I talk about anxiety has become this really negative word. Everybody experiences anxiety. Anxiety looks after us. Yeah. It's only when anxiety... Um, gets to a, certain, a stage where it's really having a negative impact on exactly. our quality of life. Because anxi- anxiety can be a good thing because Absolutely. it's kind of like an, a, an anxiousness and expectation of something that's good that's before you haven't, you know, experienced something before yeah. like or doing something new like I that. I often talk to little children about when you cross the road, you're going to be anxious that you won't get locked down. So you look left and you look right mm. and you look after yourself and that's anxiety. Exactly. And they go, yeah. no, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. so, but it's just like when it doesn't take over your whole entire Absolutely. existence, yeah. that's the problem. And, you know, people... Even now, you know, there's talk on the radio today about removing masks and you can see the yeah. degrees and people getting really, no, oh, I'm going to hold on to my mask. There's no way and like, I'm not going to, yeah. you know, so you can see. And, and really, it's what people are comfortable with. If somebody wants, and my own opinion is if somebody feels, wants to wear a mask, for example, if they do bring in this change, yep. then go ahead and wear it. Exactly. You know, yeah. and if you don't want, it's the same thing. But I think that there is, I mean, we are social beings. We are humans. We're social. We need contact with people. Yeah. And that's the one thing that COVID just took away from us. Mm. Couldn't hug. I mean, how important are hugs? And, yeah, you know, Which people probably didn't even realise how much they actually need. needed other people. Exactly. Yeah, and they do, and yeah. that is really, really important. And yeah. um, and so a lot of it's about encouraging people to feel okay mm. about going out again. And if that's just going outdoors and staying outdoors, then that's okay. It's taking that step to do that completely. And I always think now, like a lot of people, I don't know if they'd have the same mindset as I do, but I think that you know therapy is 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 great for everyone and I think the thing about it is it's not to leave things until they're at their worst before yes. you think you should go yeah I mean it's even talking to my daughter and she won't mind me saying we remember this <laughs> chat the other night about you know therapy and you always think that when you're in the, the complete you know the bottom and feeling awful and oh, I need to go for therapy yeah. and then you improve and you kind of oh no I'd be grand I won't need to go when in actual fact it's when you're feeling good and strong enough that's the time to go mm. to learn the skills as to how you manage yourself when you hit those lows because we it's like a I'm kind of I know on the radio now I'm like, here yeah, and I'm showing yeah. waves up and down but we, that's the way life is it's yeah. good times and bad times and it's how you manage yourself for those difficult times so actually sometimes when we're feeling okay 
they're the times to actually go and seek therapy so that we yeah. learn the skills to manage ourselves when we're feeling low. Which is completely true. And I think a lot of women as well, especially who are, they like to put these things off or see themselves as the lowest rung on, on oh, yeah. the they ladder. It's yeah, absolutely desperate, like yeah. right at the lowest thing. And, and really sometimes people, when if somebody is really low, um, it may not be the time to do therapy mm. because you need a certain amount of strength. Because yeah. therapy, Therapy isn't necessarily easy. Therapy is about change, yeah. about changing something um, in your life. You're seeking some change, so you come for therapy. And change isn't always easy. So therapy can be challenging, mm. you know, so. And you're not going to get the answers you want oh, immediately. No. That's <laughs> no. the other thing. Like, And I think we're living in a culture where everything is so speeded up and, exactly. and you want to have these attainable results straight yes. away. And, and it can be. A long term or more words arduous. like journey. I use yeah. words like this is a marathon. It's not yeah. a sprint. We're only talking about starting the training now. We haven't mm. even started it and it's a marathon. So but I there often is use like language. parallels to that because I think a lot of people, you know, uh, especially at the start of the year, they want physical fitness. They always think oh, I should get back into this. And the post lockdown, we've seen a lot of people saying, you know, I want to get healthier. But also, you know, this also is a stage where you get your mind healthier as yeah, well. Yeah. Like, and it's funny that you mentioned the physical, because the two are interlinked. Mm. You know, I often talk to people about diet, exercise, keeping social. That's all what keeps us mentally well as well. Yeah. So I start with the fillers and say, well, where are you on this? And where are you in this? Because actually to keep well mentally, we need to eat well. We need to eat regularly. We need to exercise. Now, we don't need to join gyms. I mean, I talk about exercise. I talk about just going out for a for walk. walk. Yeah. Simple as, you know, mm. it's free. It's easy you know, providing, of course, we're physically able to do it. But that's all, you know, we're not talking about and then keeping social. Yeah. And that's the one, as I said, that was taken off us during COVID. So one of those foundation stones to keeping mentally well was just completely removed from us. And which we don't even probably know what the effects of that Absolutely. are until much later on. And I think for a lot of people, they like would put them off, maybe going, well, I'm not in that bad. I'm not in a really bad state. There are people worse than me or you know, and I just think for a lot of people, it should feel like you're getting a mental yeah. kind of sprinkling. Yeah. Even. And I say, don't compare yourself. Yeah. Just think about you. So if you feel you could be better, then that's enough of a reason to actually talk to somebody. Yeah. So don't think, well, ah, there's lots of people in the world worse than I am. Yeah. Because this is about you. It's about you, know, the, you and how you feel. And if you feel you could be better, then that's worth it. You're worth it. Which is, I think, is a great thing to just think about in in. Because I think when people think about mental health, they think about, oh, my God, you know, statistics, depression. Like, but it doesn't have to like for yourselves. It's it's more encouraging people just to come Absolutely. whenever they they feel yep. like it. Because like you don't have to wait until you've got kind of completely flat on the floor and not able to get out of bed with depression. You just low mood. And what happens with low mood sometimes is scary. We, yeah. Nobody likes feeling low. So then mm. they get scared. They go, oh my God, something wrong with me. And then, of course, that exacerbates the low mood because then they're getting even lower because, oh my God, there's something wrong. Whereas actually, low mood, we all experience. So it's how do you, what do you do for yourself? Mm. When, and how do you talk to yourself when you've low mood? Exactly. Because you can actually talk yourself down. Yeah, to a worse state. Exactly. Yeah. By so, simply worrying about it. I mean, we're all getting back out there and we're all trying our best to do things. But if, you know, it's good to know that if you do have that bump or if you do feel there you're not coping so well, that there are services there that can exactly. support you. And you are here. Are That's here most importantly in the centre. Yep. So you might not, if you, 
you might want to come into ourselves and we have all the details in here but you can also email us at rickradio2020 at gmail.com that's r-i-c-c radio 2020 at gmail.com and we can provide you with the information for yeah. you guys as well and we have we're also considering like if, if the demand increased so much we actually might consider even putting a second group in so okay. we have that up our sleeve if we need it yeah but right now we we can manage what's coming in and it's there's a lot of people using the service which is great which is so rewarding and and it's such a great opportunity i think for people as i said just to get in on you know the low fee community-based services that are there that are provided for us so that's great Uh, thanks so much for coming thank you jen (laughs) come and join us at our retro cafe open weekdays from 10 until 2 here in the community centre come and check out our Karen's culinary delights here is the interview with Deke when I caught up with him in his famous diner you will be basically here in representative a local legend would say and you're here your past is kind of your chef on the boats in the yeah. 80s yeah well I as a chef starting off at the Clonic Court Hotel and i uh, done an apprenticeship and then I heard about the ships being, you know, um, you know, lads talking about where they were, what countries they were and all that. And I said, I'd love to have a go at that. So I tried to go into ships and I ended up with a cook on the ships all over the world. And what was that like? I was, <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. I can cook as well. <laughs> and I had many, I had many digging match too. Because you had to make, you see, you had to be able to go toe to toe with certain people around the dock, dock working ships. And if you couldn't stand your ground, you wouldn't last in that community. Mm. So once you've done it once, and you defended yourself or had a row or uh, didn't match, uh, that was kind of the end of it. You know? They knew where you were in the status and the pecking order. Yeah. But especially on a ship, uh, before the people on the ship, you've got a tough men, you know? And, yeah. But you got to know very quick how to look at yourself. And what gave you the idea to start this diner then? Here I was a... Because you've been here now what now? 20, 20 years. 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. I was a citizen manager in Dublin Port, uh, in Dublin Port Ferry Terminal. And um, I kind of felt that was getting a bit mundane and repetitive. And once the challenge goes out of something, I kind of move on. And I have done that all my life, you know. I've never really stuck to it too long. But um, as it says here, 20 years. But that was the last step. But anyway, I always wanted to work for myself, but as it turned out, my mother, uh, who was getting on in years, she got very sick, and she was getting Alzheimer's, and I knew that the time would come that I would have to care for her. So I put all that together, and uh, asked Dublin Park, could I get in here with just a small cabin and uh, just do some breakfast rolls. And at the times, at that time, it was working very good, mm-hmm. and I went to all the way up to three staff. But, um, you know, it's all settled back now because just all the trucks are digitalized, they can't stop anymore and if they stop they know exactly where they are and what they're doing there and everything's monitored, you know. Mm-hmm. So the spontaneity of this place has has kind of gone. And you know, uh, you don't get the, the turnover, the people stopping. I don't have any footfall, it's just all transport. Yeah. But it suits me, it's just myself here. You don't have any footfall, mm-hmm. but it's kinda of like a destination venue yeah. for Yeah, a lot I get of people, people like my comfort on half. Yeah. For four hot dogs and 
People from Cork saying, is this Steve Steinhardt? There's always this little photographic opportunity. Yeah, they exactly. want to get in with me. There's a bit of something like that I do. They see it, but I don't see it, but they, they find it iconic or something. But know? there's something original about it because I think yeah. a lot of, these days a lot of restaurants and cafes that are springing up across Dublin, they're trying to replicate what you have naturally, as in, yeah. they'll go, we're very unique, we're doing stuff in like a, an abandoned caravan or something yeah. like that. Whereas this is very natural to you, as in setting it up, so you're the kind of original in a way. Just the first real container type business, yeah. And uh, I got this container in, it was a result of me being a Republican, it's a result of the peace process. So we're actually sitting in an ex-British army container that used to be protected from the snipers. <laughs> so how ironic is that, okay? <laughs> so uh, I haven't think of that when I'm sitting here and um, thinking about Irish history, you know? Yeah, that's amazing, <laughs> that's amazing. But like, you also work with, for a youth program as well. Yeah, I've been involved in, uh, I suppose, in my younger days, I was a bit of a vagabond, a bit of a wagon. I was, got rid myself arrested a few times, and uh, I was kind of a guard that had a good word with me and kind of turned me around in the direction I should have went. And after that, I started getting involved with clubs and stuff like that. And I quite enjoyed, I was in the St. Patrick's Own Club and St. Mary's Own Club, and um, Bridge United Football Club, and generally just enjoyed the whole idea of, you know, being involved in the community. Yeah. And still, I, I keep trying to get out of it. I got dragged back into the Stocklands, and I only actually sponsored a set of jerseys for seven sides. And then they said, Deke, what's the chance of going full time? I said, I look into it. And I did. And I said, no, I made them all officers of the club, the younger people, so they passed the baton on. Yeah. But um, they, they dropped off, and I ended up doing all the stuff myself. As usual, <laughs> even putting the nets out. But me and Nola Dunn does that, and you know, the older kids, you know what I'm saying? And that worries me, mm. is that there's not, there's no one to hand the baton over to. Yeah. I would love to step back right now and just let someone else be more responsible and take over the club. And do you think that people are getting involved post lockdown, or, or is it just what the mindset has changed? Because yeah. you've seen kind of the changes of Ring's End over the years, like, especially from being right here, like, in the Docklands, like, and how do you think that has affected young people? Yeah, it's the intrinsic value that you give to your community. It's not commercial, it's not, everything now is, like, wrapped up or throw away, like, and all computer games, and there's a start and a finish, and let's rewind and start again. And when you're running football clubs and all that, it's not like that. Mm. You have to do it with a passion and a love of what you're doing. And um, that's how you end up winning the, winning the cup or a league. And Dylan would know exactly what I'm talking about. It's in you. And you can't, it's either in you or it's not. You can't, you can't get it into you. Mm. It's part of your, who you are. And you, you love to see people do well. And if you've been part of that, whether you're marking the pitch or carrying the water bottles, it doesn't matter. You're part of it. Mm. And we see a lot of that has disappeared and it's just... Uh, wash and go, I call them. <laughs> they just come down, play the match, and off they go. They don't care. Pay that tenor, and how it, how it happens doesn't bother them, and they don't want to learn either, you know. And do you think that's because, like Ring's End has changed? Ring's End and Irish Town have changed so much in the past twenty years, or, uh, or what do you think? Well, there is a new community down in Ring's End and Irish Town, and people are not very careful. It would be swallowed up. They'll look around one day and find they own nothing. They have nothing, and all their traditional clubs and the people before them that are gone, including myself or 
uh, say Boy Murphy and lots of people that Laird Owen and all that, they were all great people for the community and kept at it. But if you don't carry on and have someone to pass the baton on to, we are only the caretakers of what we have. We don't own anything. You know, it's all done by um, constitution and uh, club membership and all that, but it's, it's important, so important that our own people get more involved. And what can people do to get involved? How, how do you think people... Just start off, you can come down and give a hand mark and a picture. Come down and, I mean, I think what, in particular, you know, just see why now, you know, find job, I have to say. And uh, there's six teams up there and they're, they're really great facilities and, you know, state of the art, dual the crown mm. sort of stuff. And, um, but there's not many other clubs like us that will take the, the off-fall from people that don't necessarily qualify for maybe a higher standard of football. So we kind of say it was that community as well, yeah. in Division 3, you know. Mm. So it's about like kind of preserving what we have, like that we don't realise maybe what we have because, you know, as things have gone on and you see places like Google coming in and kind of yeah. making their mark here, but we don't realise how good that we have it in the community maybe. Yeah, kind of a bit of a... They have now come and supported uh, community initiatives now in recent times, and I welcome that, you know. And uh, for a big... Without corporate uh, social and um, responsibility, yeah. which is part of their budgets now, uh, we would be lost. Mm. We, we, we couldn't survive without Dublin Port, Google and people like that, and Kilsaren, and they've all helped us out to start this club up and get a few quid off them. And put, like even a small junior club, you're talking about a base of eight to nine thousand, just to get turnover that, just yeah. to be uh, compliant with insurance and all the things that everyone wants to be well dressed and they want tracksuits and tops and Gucci gear and everything <laughs> playing leading football. You know, <laughs> but, but the younger days they never we hadn't got a, a, the, the rings out phrase would be we hadn't got a pot to piss in. I think that's the thing is that we need to realise that it goes hand in hand. Do you know where that pot of pissing came from? No. It came from tannery that used to save your piss and sell it to the tannery. <laughs> and some people hadn't got a pot to hold their piss. So that's how pure they were. They were piss pure. <laughs> I don't know where I got that one from. But it's fucking there. So yeah, it's just about like trying to make sure that we have something to work towards in the future. That's what... Yeah, I think, you know, how would you hope it's even in the fishing club, I run a small fishing club here as well, called Raytown Angley. And I noticed that the young people, they don't... What would have been table talk and pillow talk, we say, for instance, years ago. They, oh, hello. You'd, you'd, <laughs> you'd have to explain bell and stern and, you know, and yeah. uh, the, the parts of a boat. Whereas the younger fellas, years ago, they would know that's the gunnel, that's the bell, that's the stern. Now you actually have to show them what's the point here and what's the point of it. <laughs> and they were like part of our, what the indigenous people here knew and they knew all about fishing. Now we sometimes being lads fishing, they'd be want to put plastic gloves on them. You know, yeah. I remember making a, uh, we were out there, caught a few macro one day and we uh, were doing quite well. And I uh, had a little stove on the, on the boat and threw the macro on, got them, cleaned them put him in, got a breakfast roll like that, threw it in. So they read that. He said, I've been eating that, that'll come straight out of the sea. <laughs> he wanted breadcrumbs on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wanted it in the process and plant yeah, first yeah. and then and have it. That's right? it. But it's all changed. And it's like I say, I, 
Jimmy Murray tries very hard down there as well to keep some of our traditions going. And, and you know, and the same with the football. Football down there is phenomenal for, for the amount of people that come out of this town and went on football, you know, 40 years ago. It, the names are just everywhere, you know, and Rovers and the Irish team and all that. Well, I think that people don't understand that what we do have is special and people right now in Dublin, they're like our corporations, they're businesses that are trying to replicate that authenticity that we have here. And I don't think that we realise it. Like if you look at something like you were involved in the kin was shot here. And yeah, it's like, true. Yeah, and what was that like just to see like... Oh, that was good, yeah. And um, they just, I didn't realise they were going to use it for a kind of drug deal or whatever going on, yeah. but you should take the money and run, that's what I say. We're not uh, all gangsters. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the son done a feature on it, and they've they done all sorts of things. Uh, just go to Hatch and everything, please. Uh, please. And, uh, yeah, that was that was interesting. But they've done a lot of movies and uh, kind of videos here and over the years. And yeah. It's because people want the, that's what I'm saying, that authenticity about here. Yeah. And, but like maybe they're not necessarily investing in that. And that's the thing that we're trying to say that if you don't have places like this, we're losing our But I've said before, we probably over the years, and all the community workers have a part of playing this, and we've made the place so attractive to live in that we actually can't afford to live in it ourselves. And that's true, sports initiatives and all the other initiatives, like even General uh, Roxville. Because they're so active, they're not. The crime rate's low, the drug rates were comparatively low, and the people building uh, properties look at the statistics of the area and say, "Oh, there's a nice place to go. There's a place we can build. It's already made." Also, we build all the facilities. We have GEA clubs, we have rowing clubs, we have fishing clubs, we have uh, yacht clubs, all that sort of thing, ready to make good school system. So we we are in danger of. Um, breaking the very thing we, we we created. And we're pushing out the people that actually made the area what yeah, it is. Well, we're getting we're leaving out, them behind. Yeah, we're getting outpriced. Yeah. So the indigenous people are going to be living in Mead and Kildare and everywhere else and we have a memory of their granny down here and all this will be taken over by a new diaspora from um, Dublin and elsewhere. Who may or may not get involved or want to get involved in keeping the preserving the community. Well, it's recognised in some clubs now that there is a push to to to, to, to kind of not necessarily remove locals, but they're not encouraging locals in as much as they should. I'm not going to name uh, associations, but it's the danger of where we are. With the, it's, I prefer to see integration than segregation, mm. but we are in danger of losing all our our young people. Yeah, if they don't. Like well, if we, especially live, the other aspect is social housing. There is no, there's yeah. barely any, and so, we're, you're going to be here now, yeah. and then there's going to be the new plot. Yeah, but is it affordable? Yeah. I mean, is it really? You see, education is a key as well. And you know, I've always said you can educate an intelligent poor people as quick as you can educate intelligent rich people. It's just a matter of where you come from and the opportunities you get. Mm. But that's what we have to look at, the basis of our education system in Ring's End, and that we can produce people for Google and for the corporates around the area, instead of farming out to people from uh, other countries. Mm. And as well, you're talking about clinging on to, you know, community-based events and, and community-based support, but there's also, you find, there's locals clinging on 
to their properties like never before because they don't want to have to sell up they want to be able to give it to their kids or, or their grandkids as well and that's a huge thing like you're saying in Ringsend and Irish Town because the market the property market is crazy and there's a sense of desperation about that as well I feel there is and property owners are doing relatively new to inner city working class people yeah. and in general you know it's a very big struggle for anybody with a mortgage to try and maintain that over the years mm. but uh, just, uh, I don't know what really to, to put the answer. A lot of the answer is in uh, keeping a percentage of our people here and making sure a lot of the property and housing is for our young people coming through. Yeah. Otherwise, we lose the whole meaning of what Rings End is. It'll be a distant memory. And we don't want to just concentrate on the negative. So, is there anything that you are optimistic about when you see it? Is there anything around that you see that you go, well, yeah. maybe we're not in such well, a bad state? I think there's been a great move for younger people to higher education and a lot of people come back to me and a lot of younger people come back to me and they say uh, do you come out of getting me a degree and like, you would never hear that word 30 years ago and now you're hearing it more often mm. you know a degree in the masters and they well you know fantastic all I can say is well done because that has been something that is a game changer mm. and if you can educate our people which you which it is happening a bit, not as much. I remember a doctor in the flats, the hills from there, uh, Bourne, Paddy Bourne's younger. And he was eight, about eight years longer trying to become a doctor than anybody else. And we were all proud of him. Yeah. He was the only doctor I ever came to Rings End. Yeah. You know, but it took him 15 years yeah. of his life to qualify. Mm. Whereas if you're well healed, your name is down in Blackrock College or somewhere else there. Yes. And you're already moving through the system. And it's who you know, as we all It is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's part of it. But it's like possibly about employing what you have then, if you have come from this background and employing those degrees and employing those skills and bringing them back to the community. Yeah, we, were, we were kind of manually based labour. Very left school at 12, 13, went on the docks, you're handed a big shovel, and that's how you got your life. And they never got the opportunities to be educated. So it was all dock work. You went to docks or the ships or uh, gas company, all utilities, ESB, all these sort of jobs. That's what you're doing around here. Mm. And the bottled glass making. Yeah. So there wasn't an awful lot of scope. And the meat, the meat factory. Meat factory, not yeah. But they're all hard manual labour. Mm. And the life expectancy was about 55 to 60, if you were lucky. A lot of uh, industrial born diseases, uh, lung diseases, yeah. all sorts of things. Yeah. So that's all improved, and the age, that's, that's a good thing, that's the improved. Yeah, so th there is hope for the future. Ah, there is a hope, <laughs> but it's all about, like I say, we understand there are new people in the area, stop looking inwardly, look outwardly, yeah, yeah, bring them with you, because the journey is there, we, but we both have to get on the train together. Exactly. And arrive at the destination, yeah. and if we don't do that, um, someone's getting left behind. We probably could have spoken to Tony or a.k.a. Deke in his diner all day, but that was just a little flavour of our chat back a couple of months ago. So my thanks today to our guests, to Fidel Mahili, CEO of the Clan William Institute, and also obviously Tony MacDonald um, and also... 
as always, thanks to Dylan and Daniel on sound. Um, we'll be back next week with a brand new show. Um, so join us then Monday at 12 noon. And if you do have a story or something that you want us to cover, an event for us to cover, please get in touch with us at rickradio2020 at gmail.com. That's R-I-C-C radio 2020 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, but just please allow two weeks if it's an event because this is recorded. It's not live. And for me, Jennifer Gallon, have a great week. Stay safe and we'll talk to you next week.